Welcome to Chasing Dreams and Raising Babies. Today we are thrilled to introduce our very first guest. Some of you may know her as influencer and entrepreneur, Brooke, the Southernish Mama. We met Brooke in 2017 when she lived in Nashville. What an incredibly driven businesswoman and amazing mom she is. She holds two degrees in business, an undergrad degree from the University of Southern California and an MBA from Georgetown University. Pre-mom life, she worked in commercial real estate at a Fortune 500 company, but felt called to become an entrepreneur. Brooke quit to start her own company and simultaneously attend business school, but life had its own plans. She met her husband, became pregnant, and was forced to balance motherhood with her own entrepreneurial dreams. Her biggest success to date, her social media platform, The Southernish Mama, was born right alongside her kids. Brooke's motherhood platform has grown organically to over 175,000 followers. She has built a high-earning business surrounding her greatest joy, her family. Brooke, welcome. welcome. Your story is so inspiring. Thank you. So I'm from Westlake Village, California. You are from Newport. I don't think we knew this before. I don't think we knew this either. Oh my God. I was reading your story and I feel like our beginnings are so similar in that we both had stay-at-home moms. Uh-huh. We had successful business fathers. Sure. You wanted to build your own empire and be a stay-at-home mom still. I felt the same way, but I had no clue how I was going to do that. You went to USC Marshall School of Business. You worked in the corporate world. Then you decided to go back to business school, but you met your husband who ultimately took a job in D.C. You guys relocate there. You're slated to go to Georgetown Business School. <laughs> it's opening term and... Bam, you find out you're pregnant. Yep. <laughs> Tell us about how that, You, I mean, so, how did you feel? I know. I guess I should go back. And it's always, what do they say? Hindsight's yeah. 2020. I'm kind of like a gut feeling person where if something doesn't feel right for kind of a consistent period of time, I know that something mm-hmm. is off. Something's kind of like, inside of me, like you don't belong in commercial real estate, which at the time was a blessing and a gift of a job, especially right out of college. I'd only been to Houston twice at that point. Something about Texas. I was like, I just belong. Like I want to be in Texas. I print out the MBA application to University of Texas, kind of file it away, but do this like multiple times. Something about not being my own boss something about me kind of wanting to get out of California. And I quit. I studied for the GMAT. And I visited Texas. And that's when I met Ryan on that trip visiting SMU and the University of Texas. So I think when I look back at things like that, your gut kind of tells you these little things for a reason. And you need to tap into that. So I met Ryan and he had committed to a job. And at that point I was like, don't like mess with my plan. (laughs) My plan. (laughs) I'm like, don't get it. And that's when it always happens, right? Where the guy swoops in and you're like, no, 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 Mm -hmm. no, no. Like don't get in on my thing. So he had committed, (laughs) he's a lawyer. He had committed to the attorney general's honors program with the Justice Department in DC. And so me wanting to move to Texas and applying to business school, I was like, 
I don't like DC, what? I don't even know anything about DC. And he basically told me point blank early on, I'm serious about you, please apply to school out there. So I applied to Georgetown, we got engaged, I moved their site unseen. We took a red eye from Kauai, our honeymoon. I started preterm, they call it, and I just wasn't feeling well, I'd say a couple weeks in. And I was like, maybe it's because I'm drinking a little bit more caffeine that I'm not used to. And Brian and I had just gotten married. And I think he was like, what is going on? Like, did I kind of marry a doozy? (laughs) I went out and got a pregnancy test or maybe he told me to get one just in case. And then sure enough, positive. Wow. I always wanted to be a mom. Always. It wasn't even a question. It wasn't even like... What does that look like? It was like ingrained in me. But then it happened not according to my plan. And I just Mm -hmm. remember sitting down in our little Georgetown condo that we had bought, a one bedroom, 600 square feet. And I was like, this is not part of my plan. I literally like said that out loud when I found out I was pregnant because we weren't trying and I had just gotten into school. It's hard. I love that you had a little freak out for a second. Like I would have had a big freak out of it not going according to plan. But I love that you didn't go, okay, I'm going to just bail on business school now. Well, yeah, my mom, she was a stay at home mom. And you know, my dad's successful real estate entrepreneur. They're so supportive. And I remember her calling me especially. And they were all shocked to find out that, you know, it happened so soon, but they were so excited. And I just remember her saying, like, we support you if you want to drop out of business school. Like, this is a big deal. (laughs) She's she knew because motherhood was like her thing. And and me, even though I I always I'd be a stay at home mom, but like logistically, I never thought how that would like how it works. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You always, you're like, of course I'm going to be a stay-at-home mom if I can like do that. And then you're like, wait, everything I've ever worked for. Shelf it. Press pause and go out. And so I was on the phone with her and I was like, pretty much everything in my life has led me up into this moment and I'm going to finish. Did you bring him to class with you? Did you have a babysitter? Like, (laughs) I did Sometimes. Yeah. So I ended up having to get a nanny who actually she's now that we've moved back to Virginia, she just started up with us again. She's amazing. She was a godsend. And I could walk to class come home. I was breastfeeding. So I'd like come home, nurse him or she'd like bring him to campus. And actually that year, Georgetown had a record number of pregnant students. And so they created a lactation room. Oh my god! And so it didn't, yeah, like they, it, it was like this thing where we got written up. Oh, wow. So like articles oh about god. Georgetown. That's awesome. That's amazing. Okay. So you dipped your toe in the Instagram world while you were juggling this new baby and business school. Yes. Instagram at that point had been around for maybe like five years. I don't even know when it was started. But that's when like kind of the rise of the influencer, a friend of mine in school, he was like, like these mommy and me accounts. He's like, you should get your son, dress him in these cute little things. And this is like a Georgetown MBA guy. Oh He's my like, God. you need to do that. <laughs> I just gotten married. So at all my like pretty wedding pictures, I had pictures from our engagement, maternity shots. So I just started posting them. But it felt like it like went into the ether. 
And I was just, what am I doing? This is just too much. It's too saturated. I'm over it. So then I graduated and my best friend at the time wanted to start a blog. Again, it was just something kind of that was like calling me where it was on my mind. And there's something about, I mean, you guys know this, there's something about doing something with somebody else, especially someone you know and trust. Oh <laughs> my gosh, yeah. Takes away a little bit of the pressure, yes. holds you accountable two often is better than one because it's like twice the horsepower, twice the ideas. And you have a cheerleader built in. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great idea. Or it's like your first buffer also, because if it's a bad idea, somebody's going, no, 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 no. Yeah. Or somebody to go down with you where you're like, right. Well, we still had fun. Like we got to do it together and whatever. Yeah. So Yeah. yeah, I had just found out that day, actually, when she called me that I was pregnant with my second, and we were in the process of moving from DC to Nashville. And so I was like, yes, I've been wanting to do this. I just found out I'm pregnant. And she was trying for her second baby as well. So it was kind of like this thing where we were wanted to talk about motherhood all the crazy things that we had gone through, you know, in the early stages of motherhood, which now it's like, we're all kind of in it. But when you step into it for the first time, you're like, this is like a whole new world. That's what brought me and Courtney together. Uh, We met right before we both found out we were pregnant with our first. Okay. And we started writing together in Nashville. And then we just kind of bonded over being pregnant friends. Mm -hmm. You know, who else do you call at 3 a.m. or text at 3 a.m. when you can't sleep in those newborn days? Yeah, you do. (laughs) That first time, it's like that segue into motherhood. It's like this whole new world. We feel like the songs we write are kind of the soundtrack to motherhood or parenthood because, totally. you know, when we were 20 something years old, we could go write about getting drunk at bars and doing whatever, but we don't really do that as much anymore or ex-boyfriends. <laughs> or at all. Yeah. Or ex-boyfriends. Like it's just the writing subject matter is totally different. I always wonder that with artists when they're like happily married and they write this like heart wrenching breakup song. I'm like, how did you get into the zone? Well, I think songwriters especially use writing sessions as like therapy and somebody might bring something up. Like say when you're writing uh, with a younger artist or your co-writer is having trouble in their marriage and they're talking about this issue and all of a sudden you're going, I went went through through that. that." And it just kind of triggers something in you and it comes back. But then on the flip side with like a heartache song, for example, there are so many places that you can channel that heartache from. I mean, it could be a fight you had with your husband or... I mean, God, motherhood. Sure. There's a whole new realm of heartache with being a mom, like infertility struggles and all that. Oh my gosh, for sure. Well, and speaking of songwriting and music, we met you in Nashville when you were pregnant with your second. And the story of how we met you is mildly humiliating. For us, not for you. Yes. This is so embarrassing. Yes, for us. Sorry of my uh, life. We had somebody, a mutual friend of ours, suggests that we put out a request on social media for anyone who has a minivan to send us videos of them jamming in their minis for our song, Live in Large, in the mini. And we met you as one of the stars of our failed fan video. <laughs> See, here's the thing. We put out that we wanted submissions from our friends slash fans. And we had some people that were like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll, and then 
Guess how many? Guess how many got sent to us? Zero. zero. We got zero <laughs> submissions, but we had but we had put it out there to social media. So then we had to produce something. We had to. We were like, oh. <laughs> so our friend Jacqueline, who is so sweet, she saved the day because we had no submissions. And she was one of the few people who actually drove a minivan that we knew and she was like I got this I know tons of people with minivans I'm hosting a party so she ended up hosting a party and invited you yes invited you it was so fun and I had just met her oh my gosh you were like the perfect person because you were so pregnant you had like this big belly belly. you were adorable so pregnant and so yeah anybody that wants (laughs) to see this marvelous video uh she's pregnant with her second and we have her like staged opening a minivan door and like 18 kids popping out i showed ryan and i yeah it was so because we had just moved to nashville and it's like music city capital right and i'm like i was asked to be in a music (laughs) video that's how (laughs) that's how i saw it i that's hysterical it was a very um low budget music video It was so much fun. And we met some awesome people that day. I thought it was so cute. So talk about like a semi-self-fulfilling prophecy. You had like a million kids jumping out of a minivan. (laughs) And you are now pregnant with your fourth. So has this always been the plan for a big family? Or were you just the type to take it one kid at a time? See how it goes. I'd say that I was more of the mindset that I would have two kids. Yeah. I guess I did always envision a full house of kids, you know, when I thought of myself as a mom. But then the logical part of me was like, oh, I'm just going to have two kids. But they're such incredible little creatures that you just can't they help are. it. You just keep wanting them. I understand yeah, this now. They are. <laughs> they, me too. And I'm like, how could I just stop? And I think for me, because I got pregnant, not necessarily planned and maybe like the first of my friends. So when I was on my second, a lot of my friends hadn't even gotten started. It felt like, I don't know. I just felt like I had more in me. My husband is the oldest of five. So his capacity to handle loud. That's my family. We're loud. (laughs) I'm one of four. I'm the baby. I have 10 million aunts and uncles cousins and i married an only child <laughs> yes with one cousin <laughs> so i really i think it's taken me some time and i think because i tend to be so like organized and with my first i was like that mom that was like oh, like everything was like oh my gosh like, somebody oh. stepped there let me spray it yeah, yeah just <laughs> I know. too much too Same. much And I always say it was one Mm -hmm. kid at a time. So it wasn't this preconceived idea that we were going to have four kids at all. It was more like just we took it one baby at a time. So I have 14-year-old stepson, six-year-old daughter. Uh, Now, that gap was not planned to be that big. But fertility issues, you can't plan. So plans go out the window. So 14, then six, then an eight-month-old. And I'm sitting here doing the same thing as you. I'm like, okay, my daughter adores the baby right now, but there's going to be like a huge mental gap there, like play gap in a few years. She's going to be, you know, not interested anymore. And then who's he going to have? I'm like, oh my gosh, should we do Yeah. Do we go one more? Someone threw this out there the other day. They're like, well, what if it's a girl? Well, that's me. I have three older brothers. I'm the baby girl. (laughs) I loved it. I loved it. So cute to watch them 
together, even when there is a little gap in there. Yeah. See, I know. It'll be good. Anyway, so you're starting this blog with your friend when we met you in Nashville. So we really didn't know what we were getting ourselves into when we started. Her husband was a professional photographer. I picked up photography and we had back-to-back pregnancies, which I think work to our advantage when you think of Instagram and what topics tend to trend because pregnancy is such a kind of vulnerable time where you're looking for that connection. Same with on Instagram and the algorithm kind of understands that. So like now looking back, it's like we got this bump in following because there were so many people that wanted to follow our back-to-back journeys. And then once you have a baby, the Instagram cycle is kind of very cyclical as is like pregnancy and postpartum. It's like once you're postpartum, I don't want to say that people tend to forget about you, but you're just dealing with so much. And, you know, at that point we were putting out great content. I don't know if you guys had known this, but like I struggled to lose the baby weight. And so like I was talking about that. And from that point, Haley had a different story. And I think this is where like our stories kind of started to digress a little bit where we both had wonderful pregnancies, which we were so thankful for and, you know, similar kind of vibes and stuff like that. And then postpartum, I just had a totally different story. Like I couldn't lose the baby weight. I had gnarly postpartum depression and I see her kind of like in a bikini with her son, like a few weeks after, uh, which is great. But when you're on a platform wanting to use your voice, it's hard to tell a, you know, when you have these stories that just aren't kind of matching up. So at that point, like our growth had stagnated and which makes sense because not a lot of people jumping on after the fact. And we were trying to catch up with like, how could kind of rebrand or, uh, and I had done this like postpartum slim down thing that had helped me kind of get back on track that I wanted to share. But meanwhile, she didn't go through that. And she was like, I'm just gonna like bow out. And my sister and I kind of tried to start it up. But after having gone through what I did with my girlfriend, whom I love dearly, just wanting to have a voice of your own. At that point, I realized that I was just going to try to control the platform on my own. I got pregnant with our third and I was still doing the Instagram thing, kind of just became habit to post every day, but it still wasn't growing. Oh, wow. And I had maybe 10,000, over 10,000 followers, but I'm very, you know, business minded. And so when you're not growing, you're not doing something right. And the financial gain, I wasn't booking ads. I wasn't at a place where me taking a picture every day was like at that point just for fun. So I had to ask myself like, what was this worth it? Or like I needed to do something Mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. There had been like these letterboard posts floating around in the mom Instagram hemisphere that I had actually talked to Haley about doing, but we had kind of thought, Oh, well, like people are already doing that. So might as well not. It was just so easy for me to like put kind of a little update on my Instagram with a board and take a photo. So I tried it one day and the post did well. And I was like, that's weird, but I'll take it. (laughs) 
so then I kept doing it like every day because that's my personality. I'm like, well, this works. So let's roll with it. So I'd like build these cute little things, look on Pinterest for cute little quotes, put them on the letter board, chuck the kids in the photo, get a cute little iPhone photo, edit it, put it up. I'm like, thousand likes. Like, that's weird. So now I understand the algorithm enough to know why it worked. But in, at the time, I was just like, let's keep going. So I did that every single day for the rest of my pregnancy. And then even after I had the baby, I continued it. I had to morph what I was doing. I was talking a lot about pregnancy. And then after I had the baby, I couldn't do 34 weeks in two days. I had to do something about newborn life or postpartum body or and I kind of got in this groove and just found my voice and it took off. You said you had to figure out why it worked. Why did it work? What, what, should everybody go buy a letterboard? <laughs> should everyone go buy a letterboard? So Instagram rewards algorithmically your image based on several different factors, based on your engagement, your likes, your comments, your saves, your shares. They also reward you for time on the image, which are, is why reels are so popular because you just sit there and you watch it because you're like, well, what's going to happen next? And the most successful reels are the ones that grab your attention and make you watch until the very end because you've then therefore spent a minute on that person's profile. And Instagram goes, they like you. So let's boost her up. And when your post goes out to it goes to your most loyal fan base of followers. If they engage with it, it then goes out to the next net. If they engage, boom, it's out to the next net. Once you pass those tranches, it then goes onto the explore page. And that's how you grow your following. At the time when reels weren't in existence, kept people on the image longer. Because whether they liked it or not, they read it. But I think when you're thinking of a static image or a video, text keeps people on the on the image longer. Makes total sense, yeah. though, when you understand behind it. Yeah, Interesting. it really does. So when you do your daily posts, are you getting ready each day? Or are you taking 10 photos on a Sunday and posting them throughout the week? I'd say it's more the former and I'd say I did it a little bit better the way you just mentioned it when I had a newborn because we were strapped to the house and oh, I would yeah. just change. Now I'm so busy that I kind of just have this plug and chug, like do a letter board, do a shot. Once my Instagram started to grow, I was forced to then create so much structure for myself right. because I had not only a family of three children, young children, I had a business now that I was like, pedaling to keep up with. And so I created, you know, I talk about it often, like the three things you can do in the morning to get yourself like set up for the day so that you can do all the things that you need to do. That looks different for everyone. But for me, it was like, make the beds, work out and then get ready. So it's like, those are the three things I do. And if I can do those all before 9am. <laughs> yeah, but it makes you feel good. Yes. I do that with my living room pillows. I have an open concept kitchen and living room. It gets overwhelming and messy really quickly. And my sink is always full of dishes because the people in my house never stop eating and the kitchen is chaos. And so when it all feels like too much, I fluff the living room pillows. And it's like 
at least one thing is being put back I in order. Talked, I literally talked about that. Yeah. And I said the pillows. I'm like, the throw pillows came up <laughs> for me, the bed. Even if I walk into the room and it's faster, the bed is made. So I I'm agree. not like, oh my gosh, my yes. life is melting. It's like, the bed is made. We're good. The room looks like a shit. Oh, but, but, but the, the bed, bed is, is made. made. Yes, yes. I hear you. I made my bed this did morning. Did you? Yes, I you know, did. Yeah, you accomplished something for you. Everybody has those things. And I say, like, these are mine. But like, yeah, yeah yours could be a shower. Yours could be reading the Bible in the morning. I don't know. But like, figure out three things. It's not that hard. And then you just feel so much better the rest of the day. Yes. And for me, like... I have to say the game changer is getting somebody to come clean. Totally. Even if it is once a month, I would rather skimp on Starbucks, <sighs> I'm not have new same. clothes. Like I just want my house cleaned. Yes. Top to bottom, sparkling. I'm with you. That's all I want. I know. Once a month. <laughs> totally. So backing up for one second, you were talking about how when you were around 10,000 followers, you were like, this is still kind of like a hobby for sure. me or whatever. At what point does it become like actually a business where you are making money and how are you making money from it? Like do sponsors start approaching you or companies to partner or give us an example of that? So when Haley and I did it together, we kind of got a taste of that where we were approached with even free giveaways, you know, or free product. Hey, this is free. And at that point it was like, I will take a diaper bag. That's awesome. <laughs> and I'll put it wherever yeah. you want me to. Absolutely. And then we yeah. got paid for a few things. <laughs> so Haley and I, at that point, we would reach out to companies as well. So we'd like farm our own things and they'd give us products. Some would want pay, but not a lot. We did not make any money at that point. Then I grew last year to about a hundred thousand. I kind of went oh from gosh. 10 to a hundred. Wow. You know, I was getting emails pretty much like daily. Some were direct through companies. It was kind of a balance. I'd say most were from PR agencies representing. And then once you're kind of in their PR house as an influencer and you're good to work with, they'll continue just picking you to do stuff with. And then recently I've gotten a PR Breath. Pregnancy is just one of those times when you're considered pretty marketable because there are certain select products that then you can market. Mm -hmm. um, but there's the flip side of that. I've had to turn down a few because I can't market them in pregnancy. I guess it's kind oh, of yeah, a balance, but I knew that the work volume was going to get to the point where I was just not going to be able to handle it. And not only that, she's out farming on my behalf. So she takes 20% of what I earn. But for me at this point, the benefit of having her far exceeds. She is well worth that 20%. So I'd say like with influencers, it depends on your audience and how engaged they are. If you have 10,000 followers and they are engaged with you like crazy, you can still get paid advertising. If you can keep that engagement, advertisers can see all of mm -hmm. this. And based off of that, you throw out a number and they agree, disagree, negotiations. So that's really cool. You have actually gone from influencer to author. And now you are writing a children's book. I am. I know. And that was just one of the perks that came along. A publisher had approached me 
and a handful of other influencers, Goodwill Publishing is the name of the publisher, and they're doing an offshoot of like children's book. Bucket oh list. Gosh. So cool. Yeah. When can we expect this? In November. Yay. So it'll come out in fall. We've just we're finalizing the sketches. The story is written. It is a beautiful story about a little boy who goes on a journey to understand what freedom is following his dad into the city. And he ends up just dreaming the whole thing. But on his journey, he has to figure out what the meaning of freedom is. I hope people like it. I just want it to be a story where kids go, wow, like I, I love I love America. Yes, I can't wait. Oh, I just love it that your boys are getting to experience you as a strong woman entrepreneur who is there for them, chasing your dreams, raising your babies. To me, that is the American dream. Totally. Yes. That's, yeah. Uh There's my book dedication right there. I've been like, (laughs) (laughs) it's so true. And likewise, I mean, that's why I definitely wanted to come on here and chat with you guys because it's like, as moms, we first and foremost love our kids without a doubt, you know, but then, yeah, you have these dreams through them that are amplified because of them. And I hate when mothers feel hindered by that. It's like, if anything, that should be a platform for you to like Mm -hmm. jump off of for Mm -hmm. your, for your kids to like witness you doing that. Don't feel bad ever. It's like, keep going. They want to see you happy. They want to see you succeed. And it's Absolutely. never going to be like the perfect balance, but I, I do think there can be a balance. Yes. yes. And thank you so much for coming on the show. It has been so enlightening to hear your story. And before you go, do you have any crazy shit that your kids have said? My kids say. Well, okay. So here's one that, of course, it's always a cuss word, right? That'll just get dropped. I have a bad habit of saying gosh damn like I'm always like gosh damn it comes out it's my mommy guilty pleasure where I'm like gosh <laughs> I think what's so funny is you're saying gosh gosh I know I totally agree it's like you're almost gonna censor yourself and then at the last second you're not I know <laughs> I know I know I think I might have censored myself on this podcast to save myself okay, fair enough that's hysterical so my son he like we were outside doing something and like this dog came up to him and started bothering him and he goes he goes you're a gosh <laughs> <laughs> like anyway it was so cute and I just never forgot oh that gosh. moment that's hysterical Morgan you got to tell her yours okay I'll make you not feel so bad about dropping the GD okay because I have a potty mouth. But worse than me is my husband, and our poor children just come by it honestly. And I remember the big worry when we were sending our kids to the Baptist preschool was that they would drop a GD or an (laughs) F-bomb at the Baptist school. So we were on vacation, and Hadley sometimes likes to talk big to her older cousins. You know, half of them are in their mid to late teens, early 20s. And um, my nephew came to me and goes, "Uh, Hadley just said, (laughs) She just told somebody something. Yeah. Something. And I was like, okay. So I go to her. I'm like, hey, kid. Uh, You're you like. tell Max to shut the <laughs> up or whatever, you know, whatever it was she said. And she was like, um, I mean, she's like three and a half, maybe four. And she was like, um, and I was like, okay, uh, you can't say that. 
it's rude and you can't say that. She was like, okay, but I didn't say that. I go, okay, well, what did you say? She goes, I said, (laughs) (laughs) and I think my eyes just got bigger and I was like, well, you can't say that either. And she goes, what? It's not like I said suck. (laughs) I know. And that's the thing, like explaining to them. I'm like, well, because it's like, well, I just said it. So like, shoot. I guess this week I forgot, which this is that I forgot that it was teacher appreciation week, which mom failed. And I had it in my calendar. Then I didn't put it in my phone. And then I drove up big it was like teacher thank you to our teachers as I drove up and they have a daily thing and I was just like man then of course I went out that night and like got the mugs and this and that oh there is so much pressure on parents right now to do all the things all the time every day it's too much well, it's too much. Here's the thing. I know. So my so Parker's teacher's birthday was like two weeks ago. And the room mom had sent out something like, everybody have your kid like make a handmade note for the teacher. Also attached is your teacher's likes. She, she doesn't want another coffee mug. She doesn't want movie tickets. But she does like candles and things like that. You know, so it's like I believe that they are having an extra difficult year or so with COVID. So I am all about extra support for the teachers right now. But Parker came home on the birthday and goes, or maybe it wasn't even on the birthday. It was like days later. And she goes, you know, I was the only one that didn't bring in a present for the teacher. And I was like, oh my God, but I made up for it this week. So Well, everybody feels pressured to go buy them a bunch of shit they don't want. Yeah. Well, gift card, gift card. Hey, everybody can use a gift card. Hey, you know what? I'm into that. Give people what they really want. Money. It's so true. I know. Everything is so material centric these days. I don't like it. I don't know. Maybe I'm old school, but... It's crazy. Just the pressure. I know. I want moms to know, though, like who end up listening to this, that like we all forget those kind of things because you feel like you're the only one. We all forget. Hey, in the last podcast, I forgot my child had a half day of school. We mentioned so. <laughs> yeah, hey, there are some big mom fails that happen in this household, uh, and I still feel like I'm a pretty damn you good are. mom. So we all you know. are totally. It's so true. It's so true. Well, thank you again for joining us yeah. today. It was so good I to catch know. up and see your pretty. I face. know you guys are so sweet for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming. You guys, take care. Well, that was so fun. That was fun. So if you guys have not heard of Brooke yet, which you've probably seen her on your Explore page, go check her out, the Southern-ish Mama on Instagram. She has the cutest posts. Her kids are adorable. Go check her out. Yeah, follow along with her pregnancy journey and her book release coming up. So when we started this song that we're about to play to end the show, the girls were leaving their preschool, venturing into kindergarten world. The show, The Ranch, that we had five songs on, was ending. That's our potential TV sync placements ending. I was going through yet another miscarriage, and I was just super emotional and probably hormonal, and I just wasn't ready for all these things to end. And I was sitting in my office one day, playing guitar a little bit, and just kind of zoned out and thinking, and I just kept thinking about how I was just at this point with so many things and I just kept thinking, I don't want this to end. I'm not ready yet. And then I 
got this melody that came along with it. And I was just thinking, I got to get to Morgan soon. We got to write this thing. I remember you were so excited. You're like, oh my gosh, I had an idea. I mean, we had hit this creative lull. Yes. Writer's block for a little bit or something. I've heard someone describe writer's block as like a good thing because if you don't have the valleys, you never have the peaks, which I loved that. Totally. Totally. I remember thinking that that melody was so pretty. And after this amazing run we had on Netflix, we thought, hey, maybe we should cater more to film and TV. Maybe something like a little more universal sound like the songs you hear in Grey's Anatomy. Right. Shoot for the stars, right? So that's that's what we're doing with this one. But what's funny about this song, The Hardest Part of Loving Someone, is it got picked up for the new Music Nashville official Spotify playlist, which is yeah. kind of country. Yes. And I mean, it just surprising. Oh, totally. Because it's our least country song on this EP, I think. I mean, but that just goes to show we don't know what country what is do we know? We just write what makes sense to us. Anyway, for those of you that are feeling in that place right now, this song is for you, whether you are about to graduate from high school or you're about to have a child graduate or whether you are walking your daughter down the aisle soon or, or you've lost someone you loved or walked away from a relationship. This song's for you. I don't want this to end I'm not ready yet If we could just slow down this moment so I can memorize it Brush the hair from your face Let's dry those tears We've both been waiting for this day to come Somehow it's already here Time slips on by Like grains of sand What must it feel like It's gone before it even began I don't wanna let Go just yet. I can't wait to watch you fly. The hardest part of loving someone is having to say goodbye. Every step from
heaven to stay. It's heaven to say goodbye. I'm not ready yet. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Chasing Dreams and Raising Babies. If you did, please leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast. Also, check out our music, We Are Hadley Park, on your favorite digital platform and head over to wearehadleypark.com for some awesome merch and to join our mailing list. Also, don't forget to write in and tell us your epic mom fails and shit your kids say to be featured on a future episode. That's all for today. See See you next time. time.